Hey everybody, it's been two weeks, so it is time once again for some crowd sorcery, which means I'm going to be telling you all about the, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games that are ending their crowdsource campaigns in the next couple of weeks. And uh, the 2022 is almost over, so we've still got, I'm surprised, I didn't quite expect so many great games to talk about in the last month of the year. Six of them have already been covered on the channel, two of them I have not covered, and I am very jealous of all the channels that I have gotten to cover them, and I'm just going to run them down for you right now, uh, letting you know how much time you have left to check these games out. Okay. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, let's get going with the first one on the list, Runar which ends its run on December 9th. So you've got a little bit more time for this one. And this is uh, one that was a sponsored preview that Shay did on the channel. And uh, I'll be honest, right off the bat, this is not the kind of game for me because this is a head-to-head -head skirmish game where you've got these very, very cool Viking uh, miniatures that are running around on the board. And depending on the three Vikings you take, you get three different sets of cards that you mash all together into one big, massive deck. And then you're drawing from that deck, so you never really know quite which ones of your Vikings you'll be able to use from turn to turn. But it's more than just punishment punch, punch, punch each other. Well, there's plenty of that. The game actually has a lot of objective-driven gameplay, too. And if you like this kind of thing, I think it's definitely worth checking out. And you can go check out the Kickstarter page. Uh, there's only going to be links for all of these campaigns down in the show notes, but there's also going to be a link for Shay's preview of it if you want to see what makes this game stand out from all the others. And it does really have some very cool, interesting, unique elements. And uh, I'm not one for uh, punching and kicking, but if you are, you won't want to miss Runar, which ends on December 9th. Okay, then let's move on to the next one, Tiny Epic Crimes. And oh my goodness, um, I actually had the opportunity to cover this one myself for the channel. But in the end, I passed because I thought, okay, I don't really need another deduction game. I played plenty of them. And then Kimberly went on ahead and did a wonderful sponsored preview for it. And I watched her preview and I'm like, oh my gosh! Why didn't I cover this? There is so much more than what I at first thought this was going to be. Uh, at its heart, this is really kind of tiny epic clue. Uh, you know, because there is a, there's a crime, a, a murder, and we are trying to figure out, you know, the a more modern equivalent of what room was it done, what weapon was it done, what character did it, you know, uh, by moving around the board and investigating and slowly eliminating things. So, that's all very cool. There's nothing wrong with that. I played a lot of Clue or Cluedo, depending depending on where you are in the world over the course of my life. And um, here's what I didn't recognize that Kimberly did such a great job of demonstrating. There's a lot more going on in this city in addition to the crime we're trying to solve. Uh, basically, 
As police detectives, there are events popping up all over the board, and once they pop up, they stick around and continue to cause problems for us, round after round after round. So, um, the game really struck me as having kind of a pandemic vibe to it. There's all these hotspots, all these fires burning, and while we've got some core action we need to do, solve this fundamental crime, we're also dealing with events and emergencies all the time, or choosing to let them sit and dealing with the consequences as as they get more and more impactful on our gameplay. And the interesting thing is, by default, this is a competitive game where we're all detectives competing to solve the crime and all that. But um, those events will slow us down such that sooner or later, we have to work together because nobody can get their main job done. And so that's actually a really cool extra element to hear that, again... Kimberly does a great job of demonstrating in her preview. But then, and here's what I didn't know, folks, the whole thing can be played cooperatively. And had I known a pandemic-style firefighting uh, game with a healthy dollop of mystery solving and whatnot, with some really, really cool uh, special powers that players have, things they can unlock, and um, not and, you know, and, and a lot of variety in the different types of events that will pop up over the course of the game, really impressed the heck out of me. And now I am kicking myself for not having covered this myself. But again, uh, links down in the show notes if you want to check out Kimberly's excellent run-through to see why. You know, I, I kind of skipped the last few Tiny Epic games. They didn't really speak to me, but this one really jumps out at me, and I cannot wait to try the final version of Tiny Epic Crimes, which ends on December 9th also. Okay, after that, we have got Fit to Print. Now, this one I did cover. Um, this is a very, very cool, fun, fast-playing um, game where players are trying to, in real time, by default, but well, I'll come back to that in a second, put together the best front page for the newspaper they can. And the interesting thing about our coverage for this channel, uh, for, for the, this game on the channel is Amy and Maggie did a wonderful real-time two-player run-through that is hilarious. Their preview, I just laughed out loud several times as, you know, the, the timer uh, ticks down and they're grabbing all the, the best uh, news stories and and, uh, you know, pictures they can put on the front page and advertisements. Um, and at first glance, this game really has kind of a, a Galaxy Trucker vibe, but it radically changes the core feel because of the one, two-step process that uh, the stuff you grab as a reporter has to go through the editorial process before it can actually go on the page. And it creates a much richer and more interesting uh, vibe than Galaxy Trucker, I think. This might actually improve upon Galaxy Trucker. But here's the really interesting thing. I mentioned um, there is had unique coverage because I covered the game too. I did a run-through of the turn-based game. And I don't know why. It seems like most of the industry seems to be ignoring the fact that, hey, you can play this real-time, which is great. Fantastic. Amy and Maggie show why. But it's also an excellent turn-based uh, tile-drafting, tile-laying game too, where it suddenly becomes much less frantic and, ah, I'm running against time, and a much more thoughtful and really deep and crunchy game as you're trying to get the right pieces into the right place at the right time, and you have really tough restrictions. I really enjoyed it. Uh, this game could have shipped as a turn-based game, and it would have stood on its own. But this, I mean, actually, is more than that. It's got um, solo puzzle modes you can play. It's got, like, a family-friendly mode you can play. There's a lot of variety and you can see a good deal of it if you check out Amy and Maggie and my 
simultaneous run through. And then the three of us got together and actually talked about it in the final thoughts because we were all so impressed with Fit to Print. Now, this one ends once more, folks, on December 9th. Uh, so you've got a little bit more time to check it out. Now, let's move on to Mapping the World, another one that Kimberly covered for the channel. And she did a great, great job. I have to admit, I at first thought this was actually going to be a fairly lightweight, kind of family-friendly uh, game, all about you know the uh, you know the uh, the European exploration of the world and mapping of the world, because there's really two halves of this game. We are traveling from place to place to place. The board starts out with most of the world unknown to us, covered with event cards, and we are racing as fast as we can to get out to all these different areas, because every one of those cards, whenever you flip them, they give you a really tough choice of, do you want to do A or B? They're both really fantastic, and uh, but that's just the first half of the game, because we are also trying to gather all the cards we need to actually properly map all these areas to create a, a full map of the world. That's what we're here to do, map the world. And the interesting thing is uh, the cards you use to uh, travel around and explore, but also to map, they're all drawn from a central depot. And uh, there's actually like, I forget, it was like three or four different um, piles of cards you grab from. And when you grab, if you spend your entire turn, I need to grab some of these cards because I need them to map the area I've reached in the previous turn. Um, all the piles that didn't get any cards taken from, they all get bigger. And so it's always a tough, tough choice of, well, okay, I really want to grab those, but if I do that, I'm putting more cards on the other other ones that are going to help you on your turn as, you know, these depots of cards just build and build and build. And um, you'll get such a wide variety of cards in them that uh, you start getting a lot more interesting decisions you can make. Uh, and the thing is, I was really impressed by this. I went in thinking this, like I said, was just a fairly light, family-friendly gateway-style game, but there is more going on. Actually, it's interesting. There were several Kickstarter games I could have talked about in this episode that looked really, really good, but I kind of passed on them because they were fairly lightweight. They were, you know, gateway-style family-friendly games. And my wife, Jen, and I, we're generally looking for something a little bit heavier. This is a show that reflects my personal taste. Um, you know, this is not all of the great games that are available out there on Kickstarter. By the way, if, if there's a game I don't talk about in this show, mention it down in the comments and I'll tell you why it didn't reach out to me and why I decided not to talk about it. But, like I said, I went in expecting one thing from mapping the world and Kimberly d demonstrated to me it was definitely something much, much bigger than I thought it was going to be, which is why uh, it puts it on the list for me, mapping the world, which ends on December 13th. Okay, then let's move on to Bazaars of Ubar. And now this is one that I have not covered, and I am very, very jealous, as I said right up front, of other channels that have, because uh, this is the latest. It's an engine-building game uh, from Gray Fox. And from what I've seen of this game, this might be the greatest game from Gray Fox to date. And they've put out some really fantastic games. But this one speaks to me on such a deep level. Um, it is all about a fantastical steampunk um, bazaar where we are dealing with merchants. And gosh, this game gives me such strong Glenmore vibes. Glenmore is one of the greatest tile lane games of all time. Uh, in part because it's a really sharp time track game as is this one. Uh, and, you know, the, the further you move around to grab the right tile that you really, really need, the more time you burn, which gives your opponents um, 
the opportunity to take quicker, shorter turns while you take one big, really long super turn. I always love time tracks when they're done well, and it looks like it's done very smartly here. But that's only half the game because once you grab these different bizarre tiles, you lay them out in your own little personal grid, kind of like Glenn Moore, and each one of these tiles has a function it does, and it has an arrow. And wherever you put it, Every other tile that you've already placed on a previous turn that is pointed to by that arrow activates again. And oh my gosh, as soon as I saw that, just click, it just... I just immediately knew I had to play this game because I can imagine just how rich and interesting the decisions get as you're like, okay, if I put this over here and I put that one over there because I'm ultimately planning on getting that one and putting it down to launch all three of those because they're in a straight line. Oh my gosh, this game seems just freaking brilliant in the best way possible. I mean, could this be a Glenn Miller killer? I don't know. That's a high bar to pass, but this is definitely one I have to check out. And I am really impressed and incredibly excited by the bazaars of Ubar. Okay. And then there's resource management. There's other stuff too. But still, looks really, really neat. All right, then let's move on to the next one. Um, we've got Shake That City, which uh, is going to be ending on December 15th. This is another one that I did a uh, sponsored preview for. And oh my gosh, this game. This is my first early high uh, probability pick for a top 10 game of 2023 because um, th this, th the core game is really clean and simple. It's a SimCity-style building game where we're trying to get residences next to waterfront, industry next to roads, um, you know, commercial next to roads, but a different type of road, parks next to, you know, everything, every tile you can play scores in a unique way that's very thematic. And um, we played a lot of games like this. What makes Shake That City special is the shaking. Uh, this has got to be the coolest new gimmick or gadget or whatever you want to call I have seen in board gaming since the Zulkin the Mayan calendar came out a decade ago with the those big turning gears because you got this shaker, you shake it up, you push a plunger, and that creates a perfect little three by three grid of cubes that tells everybody how they can actually build their city. And this just does not get old. It is so fun and satisfying to just push that plunger and see this little three by three grid and it creates a tough puzzle, right? Well, am I going to pick the reds out of this little grid? Am I going to pick the grays? Am I going to pick the blues? Am I going to gamble on a really big thing? Am I going to try and build slow? We are racing to the end. Uh, do I have enough time to build slow if other players are going fast? really sharp. Jen and I both fell hard in love with this game, playing the prototype of it. And as I understand it, there's actually an expansion for that's part of this campaign that I haven't played yet. And I really want to check that one out too. So anyway, Shake That City is freaking awesome. And it's ending its run on uh, the 15th of December. Okay, let's move on to the next one then. Empire's End. And now, this is one that, uh, once again, I have not played. And, um, man, I but I really wish I had. Brotherwise Games, why didn't you contact me? I would have loved to have covered this thing. Um, it's from designer John D. Clare. It's really interesting that John D. Clare is not uh, doing this with his normal publishing partner, um, Alderac Entertainment, AEG. But 
I don't care. All that aside, what really pulls me into this game, there are, this is a game all about, uh, players all have, at the start of the game, the exact same duplicate empire. We've got a bunch of different tiles that represent our farms and our cities and all sorts of things. And every round, or I should say most rounds, we're going to draw a disaster card. And everybody draw that disaster card and it says everybody's going to lose their fourth from the left tile, whatever that might be. At the beginning of the game, everybody has tiles in the same spot, but over time, tiles might shift around, and so some people would be hurt by a disaster more than others. So, we all then look at the disaster, decide, well, how bad is that disaster going to be for me? Can I afford to lose that farm? Can I afford to lose that city? Can I afford to lose that barracks, or whatever it might be? Um, or, do I need to spend resources that are printed on the uh, card for the disaster? Do I need to spend resources to avoid losing that? Because we start out with a big, prosperous, super powerful nation, and by the end of the game, all these disasters are going to rip us apart. Uh, I love this idea of not building up over the course of the game, but watching things getting destroyed over the course of the game as we try desperately to hold on and stave off the Empire's End, hence the name of the game. But the really interesting thing uh, that takes this to the next level, and I would expect nothing less from designer John D. Clare, is the way we have to pay to avoid these disasters. What happens is it's revealed. I decide whether I can afford to lose that farm or not, because I can see other stuff that's coming up in the future, whatever it might be. And then, in turn order, we go around the board, everybody, one at a time, saying, oh, well, to um, stave off that flood, I need to sacrifice some of this. Yeah, I'll spend a tool. And then uh, it's your turn, and you decide whether you're going to spend something to avoid that flood. And if you do, then it comes back to me. And then, I, crap, I've got to spend something else to avoid this flood. And then it goes back to you, and crap, you've got to. It's really kind of a reverse auction game, where we're constantly bidding, bidding, bidding higher and higher, until somebody eventually says, you know what? I can't afford this anymore. Fine. I'll let the flood destroy my farmlands. But And you might think, oh no, I, because you outbid me. Hey, you get to keep your farmlands. You use it later during times of plenty. My farmland gets flipped over and destroyed. Oh no, too bad, so sad. Except for the fact that everything that went into that auction, I now collect. So I will be much stronger on future turns. Plus, that disaster tile or card that triggered the whole thing, I take that as well, and it has a special power that I get to assign to one of my remaining buildings. And that is freaking brilliant! Oh my gosh, I want to play this game so much. Especially after I saw Amy and Maggie... Uh, they got a copy of it down under, and um, you, you can't. If you scroll down near the bottom of the page, you'll see a picture of them. Click on them; it takes you to their video. Their video is not actually on the page for some reason, but it is the best video. They do such an amazing job of describing, better than I could in this really quick time frame, what makes this game special, what it feels like to play. Um, you know, they draw comparisons to other games, and it's it's great. I highly recommend it. Of course, I'm the biggest uh, Thinker Themer fan in the world, but I am also now a thanks to them a huge fan of Empire's End, which also ends its run on December 15th. I mean, this what goes high into my wish list. I must play this thing. Okay, we've got one more to talk about, folks, and it is the uh, custom bags and playmats for board games from uh, publisher Crafting Kingdom. We're known for doing all kinds of board game accessories. And I did a sponsored preview for this as well. You can find a link for that down in the show notes, like all the other stuff. There are two things in this campaign. The best board game bag I've ever seen. 
And I've covered a lot of board game bags over the years. Here's the deal. Generally, uh, back when I was in Malta, I covered several of them. And after I was done with them, I always gave them away to friends. Um, because they were all very cool, but I didn't feel like I needed them. This one... I kept. I think it is that impressive, and you can watch my video to see why. But that's only half of what's in this Game Found campaign. In addition to this bag, which has customizable art on it, uh, customizable straps, um, and uh, you know, customizable insides, all kinds of really sharp uh, design ideas, there's a whole second half to this campaign, which are player mats. And I've got that player mat in front of me right now. LED lined player mats. Look at this. This is so much fun. Again, you can uh, see me play with this and show all the different settings for it uh, in the video that's down in the show notes. This is really cool. It's a high quality player mat. Really, really. I mean, like, I, I mean, here I am scratching the heck out of this or, I mean, on screen. I'm scratching the heck out of this thing with my fingernail. No marks, no scuffs. This is a really tight weave, really nicely put together. Um, it comes in a bunch of different colors, a bunch of different shapes, but with the actual LED that works. Alexa, lights off. Especially fun when you turn all the lights off and it's on and whatnot. Alexa, stop. Uh, this is a very cool one-two campaign. It's uh, going to be ending on September 16th. Uh, Alexa, lights on. Uh, an excellent game bag. One of the best I've ever seen. Alexa, lights on. There we go. And a very, very cool game app, which I'm very, very happy to have on my board right now. So uh, this one ends, like I said, folks, on December 16th. And that is it. Uh, the year is almost over, but uh, crowdfunding is not. There were some very, very cool things. And I've got one more episode, which will be back again in two weeks. And like I said, at some point midway through, folks, if there were other campaigns out there that um, you think I missed, let let me know down in the comments. I'll tell you. Believe me, I didn't miss anything. I looked at everything and I'll tell you, well, here's what I thought about this or that or the other thing as well. That's what this show is here for to, uh, you know, take a long, hard look. I spent hours studying all these things. These were the eight that really jumped out at me. And, um, Maybe some of them were interesting for you as well. And that is it, folks. Another episode of Crowd Sorcery. And uh, have a very, very nice day. Talk to you later. Hit one of these buttons on screen. So long. Buh bye. Did you hit a button? Come on.